changes teams? Who wins the national championship? And much more. It's been quite a year in the world of women's basketball. And with less than two days of 2022 left, Alex Simon of Bay Area News Group and I are going to look ahead. What are our most bold predictions for the year ahead in women's basketball? The Locked On Women's Basketball podcast starts right now. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Hello and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm Jackie Powell. I'm one of your Friday hosts this fall. And well, actually, it's now winter. I cover the New York Liberty at the next. I help with the next social media strategy. And I've covered women's basketball nationally at many different places. We want to thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And remember, Locked on Women's Basketball is brought to you by everyone at The Next, a place where we cover women's basketball all the time, and we tell the stories that need to be told every day. Also, if you subscribe to us, you can get 50% off our partner site, The Equalizer, which covers women's soccer every day. Also, Locked on Women's Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So on today's show, we are going to make some bold predictions for 2023 in the order in which they appear. So first, we're going to talk about free agency and the NCAA tournament. Then we're going to make some predictions for the draft and the beginning of the WNBA season. And then we'll end with our predictions for who is going to rule the 2023 WNBA season and win the WNBA championship. But uh, Alex, hello. (laughs) Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, excited to get off some hot takes today. Oh, yes. I mean, I, I messaged you and I was sort of like, what would be a good way to cap off the year without going into free agency completely? because free agency is going to be a lot. So we're going to just get some conversations started. So we're going to begin with free agency, actually, because in the calendar year in 2023, the negotiations are going to begin, I believe, on January 21st. Uh, which is a little bit later this year. So I'm going to punt over to you, Alex, first. So what is your one prediction or one bold prediction (laughs) for free agency? I'm sure you have many. Yeah, there's more than one. But if I have to pick one that feels the boldest in the sense that, you know, this is the one that I'm going to go with is a former MVP being traded. Uh, the, The writing was was on the wall that a split was going to happen between Kurt Miller, the Connecticut Sun, and John Quill Jones for a while, it felt like. Obviously, Kurt's left, and he's now in sunny Los Angeles out on the best coast with me on the west coast there. (laughs) But I also wonder if JJ and the Sun could still split too. Um, Our fearless leader at the next, Howard Megdal, pointed this out over at the Nine in a Basketball Wednesday when the Sun hired Stephanie White As their head coach, general manager Jen Rosati was asked specifically by Howard about John Quell. And Rosati's answer, like, barely mentioned John Quell specifically, even though the question directly asked about JJ. And it kind of makes me wonder if we just think the way that that team has been built, if something's coming down the pipe there. I could see a, a, a JJ trade happening 
And frankly, like that could be a really interesting way for Connecticut to rebuild its roster because so many of what the skills that they've had overlap. And if they think they want to keep Brianna Jones, which I don't know for sure if they do or not, somebody's got to go. And I, I just happen to think that it's JJ. It's really interesting because I was um, talking to Isabel Rodriguez this morning about Alyssa Thomas. And she made a comment about how, oh, um, Alyssa Thomas found a way to bring Bree Jones with her to the, the team they play for in EuroLeague. And I'm sort of just thinking, I'm like, well, hmm, I wonder what type of role Alyssa Thomas will play in the Suns free agency plans. I mean, it seemed pretty clear to me during the same press conference that you mentioned that the Sun view Alyssa Thomas as their franchise linchpin rather than the player who won MVP in 2021. Which I, I can't say I blame them for, by the way. But that's part of why if we think this thing wasn't working, even if you switch up the coach, maybe you make the trade to really shuffle the deck a little bit. So what is your bold prediction then, Jackie? I'm sure you have several, but what is your one? My one is that Candace Parker is going to return to the Sparks. Oh, so I happen to believe that this feud between Kurt Miller and Candace is not the most real. I mean, I think these are two people who, if they have two of the same goals, which is to, to win, um, I think they can get along just fine. I think that was sort of a feud that was orchestrated for us, which, you know what, I mean... We need those types of storylines in the WNBA. But I think while Candace appreciated playing in front of the folks from her childhood, I just wonder how much more is she willing to do sort of the constant back and forth that her, her wife Anya and her new child heir and even Layla had to make. Um, that seemed like a lot, you know, going from coast to coast and and as we know or maybe not coast to coast but from the west the coast, coast of lake michigan is a coast right right um and during she does spend a lot of time away from her family during the off season when she does uh those turner related commitments and you know at some point i just wonder will she be another player who won't have any patience for the lack of investment uh, that the Chicago Sky franchise puts in its players. Um, I'll never forget what Stephanie Dolson told SNY's Maria Marino after she signed with the Liberty. And she said, the entire franchise, you can just tell they really care about their players. They care about the level of basketball they put out on the floor which we can produce the best when we're not really worried about the other stuff, like where we're, where we're going to practice, how we are traveling, what's the schedule, just all that other stuff. We can just focus on basketball. We can put out the best product. So to me, I just wonder, will playing, is playing in Chicago for another season, is that, what is going to make Candace Parker and her family, not necessarily her extended family, but her nuclear family, feel most comfortable? I, I do get the sense that perhaps Candace is not as likely to return to Chicago. I don't want to rule it out exclusively. I do want to offer one counter, though, because you mentioned she spends a lot of time away doing her Turner-related commitments. That usually takes her to Atlanta. And if she was maybe looking for kind of a final season swing, why not go see if the dream are interested in having you kind of be their point forward and pair up with a really fascinating young superstar in Ryan Howard and uh, maybe see what other moves the dream are looking to make to try to make one big swing for a title in the South. We know she knows Atlanta well. So I, I agree that there might be some moves that happen for Candace. I don't know exactly where, but her off season is going to be a fascinating one. 
Wow. I, so I love the, the Atlanta option, but the only thing that makes me think maybe not is just the, the language that's come out of Dan Padover and Tanisha Wright and that they're saying we, we are in for the long haul. We are, you know, they were extended to five-year contracts. They want to build this slow and steady Although at the same time, I mean, Dan Padover worked with Bill Lambeer and a lot of the work he did when he was with Bill involved getting pretty high profile free agents. So it could go both ways. If a player who is willing to come can help that long haul become a very shorter trip, Mm -hmm. you might as well at least be willing to explore it, if not do it. Oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, as we move from free agency in January and February, we now take a stop in March and April, which is the NCAA tournament predictions. So I'm just going to come out and say what my prediction for the tournament is. I think Notre Dame is going to make it to the national championship game. And I think they're going to do it by beating defending champion South Carolina in the final four. But I also think that Notre Dame won't win the final because they still, they're really young and their tournament experience is, or at least with this core group they've assembled, their tournament experience isn't, um, I guess, as... Uh, lengthy or apparent as let's say Aaliyah Boston on South Carolina or even Haley Jones on Stanford. And the reason I really see this happening is, well, one, South Carolina as of now is at the same side of the bracket as Notre Dame is, according to Charlie Cream's latest bracketology. But also what really impressed me about Notre Dame is there, or what has impressed me, has been how smart their ability to execute a scout has been. And and I saw that in the game against UConn. Mind you, UConn had some folks injured, but I, I just can't get it out of my head watching the scout that Neil Ivey put together and then seeing how well her team executed it, which was leaving Aubrey Griffin open and challenging someone who isn't super confident in her shot to shoot it. And so I just think that there's potential for the Fighting Irish to come up with another very, how do I put it, smart scout for South Carolina. Because I believe the Gamecocks have their flaws as well. Having watched South Carolina, they definitely are a team that has some things they will need to work out between now and April, let's even say, not even March, because I think they might as well breeze to the Final Four at this point. But there are certainly teams with the talent to at least scare them, if not beat them. I mean, I watched Stanford have a 10-point lead after three quarters against them in person. So there are teams. I would wonder how Notre Dame would be able to handle a dominant post-presence, because I think that is their big question mark. Could they scheme it up? Um, but I, I love Olivia Miles. I think she's an incredible player. It would not surprise me at all if Notre Dame kind of showed up a year earlier than most people thought in the national title game. Uh, if you don't mind me, then kind of sidecarring your prediction there, Jackie, because I have a national champion prediction. And Ooh. I actually think it'll be a Stanford who is maybe the key, a freshman who is the key for Stanford to win the national title. But it's not going to be last year's number one overall pick in that regard. Uh, Lauren Beth was the number one overall recruit in the country coming into Stanford, six foot seven out of Colorado. But she's kind of struggled to find a role on the farm so far this year. And actually, there's an article that dropped this week where Marissa Ngemi from the San Francisco Chronicle talked to Betts kind of about that. And Betts was expressing some obvious disappointment, but understanding what her role is. And I, I do wonder, you know, this is a Stanford team that is deep at the post position. Cameron Brink is maybe, I think, the best player in the country. Yes, even ahead of Aaliyah Boston. 
she certainly outplayed Aaliyah in the game against each other. Yes, uh, yes. On top of that, there's several post players that are ahead of bets in the rotation, Kiki Irioff and the two seniors, Ashton Prechtel and Fran Belibi. So Betts has has really struggled to find a role, and some of those struggles might not even abide by next year. So our Michelle Smith just wrote on Thursday here today, uh, wondering, like, could that be something that, like, we could see Betts maybe look to transfer after the year? I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting question. But they do have a freshman who's been vital for them so far this year in Talana Lapolo, who's immediately stepped in and been the point guard that Tara Vanderveer desperately needed with this team. I mean, without Lapolo, Haley Jones would be running a lot more point. And there's still, you know, ball handling shared between the two of them. But if it were all on Haley, I think the Stanford team would really struggle. And Talana has just immediately become an important and vital piece. And if that, if the way she played in the South Carolina game, she didn't have a turnover, I believe, until like the end of the fourth quarter and just has been a very composed player as a freshman. I think if, if Stanford's going to be a national title worthy team, and they are, um, if they're going to actually win it, I think it'll be Lapolo who makes the biggest difference for them this year and not the number one overall recruit. So let me ask you, though, is is a player like Kiki Ariofen, I mean, do you think she's taken a really big jump that also has made it tough for bets to come in? There is an element of Betts' game right now where you can just tell that there's an athleticism lacking there. There's a lot of rigidity in the movement when you watch her go up and down the court. There's just, it takes, she's six, seven, you understand that some players are going to move a little slower, but I wonder just how long the ramp up will be. And Stanford's had this with other players too. I mean, Hannah jump has become almost a 40 minute a night player for them at (laughs) shoot guard when there was times before where she couldn't stay on the floor for more than a couple of minutes at a time when she was a younger player, even as good of a shooter as she was. So I think there's a way for bets to find a role and I do think it's in part hard for her just because she went to one of the deepest teams of post players in the country to, to know for sure. Cameron Brink starting to hit more three-pointers, so there maybe is a way to play both Brink and Betts on the floor together. But um, the, the, the look for next season would have Betts being their third big behind Brink's senior season and Erie Offen's junior season. And I, I would wonder if they could convince her to stick around and stick it out if they can find a really good role for her next year, but that just might not be there this year. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I feel like um, Ashton Prechtel has bounced back after struggling. Oh, so much last year. So that's, it's like you have that depth that's improving, making it really hard for that freshman to break out. So we are going to take a little break and discuss something not related to women's basketball, but related to safety and health. And both matter so, so much. So I think Alex knows this about me. I'm a big fan of uh, musicals and movie musicals. And I also enjoy the movie musical remake. And this might be a very unpopular opinion, but I love the 2011 remake of Footloose with Julianne Ho and, um, or Huff and um, Kenny Wormald, who he's like a dancer that's much less famous than Kevin Bacon. But anyway, what does this have to do with health and safety? Well, the film opens with something tri- quite tragic. Um, It opens with a scene when a group of friends are having a few drinks and dancing to the famous song Footloose by Kenny Loggins. And then that group gets into the car to drive home. And what ensues moments later is a car crash that kills every person inside the vehicle. And what happens later is that the town administers a ban on dancing and loud music as a result of the trauma. But this is one of the risks of driving drunk. I doubt dancing and loud music will be banned in your town or city, but people die as a result of drunk driving. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake 
to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. All right, now back to our program. Thank you for making Locked on Women's Basketball your first listen today. Also, thank you for enduring my musical theater references. Now, for your second listen today, check out Locked on Sports Today. The biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less, plus instant reactions, game recaps, and Locked on's take of the day. Locked on Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are moving ahead to events that occur in the months of April and May. So, okay, WNBA draft time. Alex, what is your one bold prediction? All right, so in the draft, I think one of the lottery teams is going to make a trade for Skylar Diggins-Smith. Um Obviously, there's been a what I would argue is a falling out that's happened in Phoenix between Diggins Smith and that organization. Um, and it's known via our fearless leader, Howard, that they were looking to trade her even in the middle of last season. She Her status for next year is going to be a little iffy because of the fact that she's currently bearing child and will be, give birth at some point in the spring how ready she might be to play in 2023. The last year of her current contract is a bit of a mystery, but I would suspect the teams in the W know. Um, and with how well she was playing before she was gone last year, somebody's going to make a move for her and try to have her be their difference maker. It's not going to be Indiana. I think they won't mess around. They'll just take Aaliyah at number one and say, thank you very much. <laughs> but there's two lottery teams that intrigue me. Um, Minnesota and Atlanta each have two first round picks. And I think could both really use somebody who kind of runs the one and the point Minnesota has the second pick and Vegas's pick at 12. And I think pairing up Skyler and Nafisha Collier would be just an amazing combo to build around. Um, especially, you know, you have the number two pick. I don't think you would need to trade the number two pick to get Skyler given all of the questions there. So I think you could build quite the deal and quite the team around a core of Skyler Nafisha and whoever you take it to um, her hoop stats just did their mock off season and they traded the 12 and a few other picks and Natalie Achanwa, which would work out contract wise. I don't know if that worked out for Phoenix's roster, but I, I get why you would do it and just kind of make it work. So I could see Minnesota being a fit. Um, I also for Atlanta, they have picks three and eight. And I think Skylar showing up next to Ryan could just be an amazing combination of guards probably the best two-way guard combo in the league the moment that they show up together in terms of what they both can do offensively and defensively. If you traded number eight, threw in Ari McDonald, who's a former U of A Arizona Wildcat, kind of can help sell the home crowd on the trade that way here to bring in a Wildcat. That could be a good starting spot. I also wonder, you know, with that number three pick, if you're Atlanta, you know that Haley Jones could be somebody around there. She might go two. But if she's available at three, if Phoenix is really interested in Haley, especially, you know, it's former Stanford player, Vanessa Nygaard, the coach there, <laughs> um, really likes what Tara and Haley have done at Stanford. I saw Vanessa, by the way, at the Stanford-South Carolina game. Um, could you maybe convince Phoenix to kind of throw in the 2024 first-round pick as well and be willing to sell next year's loaded draft classes future for – the number three pick Phoenix doesn't have a first rounder right now. So giving them two first rounders to build around plus Harry McDonald to give up Skyler in a next year first that I think that that could be a fascinating trade to build. Oh my God. Yes. Oh man. I, I do like the Harry McDonald part in the trade because I know how much she's so beloved in Arizona. I mean, she's, She's working for her former coach at U of A in the off season. So to just allow her to be there all the time. There are a lot of wildcats up here in the Phoenix area. And it's, you know, the worst two hour drive you'll ever make. Cause it's just nothing between Phoenix and Tucson, but <laughs> she's probably made it plenty of times. So. See my reaction to that is I'm not sure how SDS would fit in Minnesota. I just don't know. Basketball-wise, sure. But I don't know if Cheryl Reeve is willing to budge on SDS, especially after 
all the drama that she's been involved in lately, the clown emojis, the complaining about the playing time in the Olympics in 2021, which Cheryl Reeve was an assistant coach on that team. And so she pays attention to all of that. I think in Atlanta, it's a bit different because I think Tanisha Wright doesn't take crap from anyone. And she is excellent at getting many different types of personalities to buy in. I mean, I I wouldn't think Cheryl takes a lot of crap from anyone either in that way, even if she is aware of it too. So there's, but but certainly Skylar has baggage beyond necessarily just kind of what you know about her, just in terms of the mystery around her health. She's a strong personality who has asked her way out of one situation Mm -hmm. and is at least fallen out of favor in her second. So I, I can see some people looking at that and saying, I don't really want a part of it, but um, I think circumstances being what they are in Phoenix, there's part of me that at least understands why she felt the way that it went down in Phoenix. And I would think that another team might want to centerpiece her and focus her as their star or around another star and really make a go at it in 2023. If she's able to play. Oh yeah. I mean, I always had, I think, on when Skylar Diggins Smith was, or when it was reported by our own Howard, I I did a um, I wrote a piece for for Bleacher Report about potential SDS landing spots, and I thought the fever were fascinating because Skylar has a a fan base in that area. Uh, she's very familiar with South Bend. I mean, that's where she's from. But I do think you're right. I think Indiana isn't going to play around. They are, I think, one of those franchises that understand the, I guess, how rebuilds need to go. And they want to build around Aaliyah Boston. That is a team, though, with another first-round pick at seven. That, mm. that I potentially see that being the pick to start with. You're not gonna, you're not giving up Boston for anything, but right. In theory, I could see that being a possibility. I just don't think it's as likely as the other two, who are maybe in a position to be quicker swingers, quicker teams to big swings right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what a, what's your draft prediction that you're gonna say boldly, Jackie. Okay, so you brought up Haley Jones before, and you were saying how, oh, she could go two, she could go three. My bold prediction is that Haley Jones is going to drop out of the draft lottery, and a team that didn't expect to land her will. So could it be the New York Liberty at six, the, the team that has way too many wings? Will they draft Haley Jones? It's really interesting because she's almost like a much more well-equipped version of Dee Dee Richards, if that makes sense, in that, um, you know, Dee Dee Richards hasn't really stayed healthy in the past couple of seasons, but what Haley Jones's strengths are, sort of being a, a secondary ball handler, someone who can put pressure on the rim, that was something the Liberty were really missing in 2020. Two, which was rim pressure, especially from the guard position. And she's a really, really good help defender, which, I mean, Dee Dee Richards, at, when she's healthy, she's a very good defender as well. But the Sandy Brondello style of defense, at least from my observation, was pretty dependent on how good at help you were and how good at reading help defense you were. So, I mean, the team with way too many wings could land Haley Jones. And I mean, Haley Jones and Sabrina Ionescu are quite chummy as well. So they both have two the Bay same. Kids. Mm-hmm. They have the same trainer. But also, who knows? The sky could also land Haley Jones. I mean, I, I think the sky, we don't know what's. And the sky have the fifth overall pick, I believe. And they. In fact, they have that one. Yes. Ah. Mm, yes, they have Phoenix's pick. And so we don't know what's going on with Courtney Vandersloot. We, she could very much so not be on the sky uh, going into 2023. I hear somebody thinks that Candace Parker is not going to be on the sky in 2023. So oh, yeah. mm-hmm. maybe both aren't there. there. There would be a need for sure. 
Yes. And so obviously Dana Evans could slide into that primary spot. But how the sky have functioned over the years is you sort of have this facilitating forward and poof, there's Haley Jones. Um, I mean, oh, yeah. No, go ahead. No, I was just thinking, I mean, could she drop so low to nine that she's chosen by Seattle? I mean, I doubt that. But I also know that Seattle does need ball handlers and they do need wings. I There are certainly players who are, there's going to be, for as little discussion as there is at number one, you can make arguments anywhere throughout the lottery. Um, I will make note that I've seen all of the lottery teams in Stanford at various points for big games this season. So if mm-hmm. nothing else, they're getting their evaluations on Haley. Um, Haley to me feels like a player who has a very high floor as to what she's going to like, you know, that at worst you're going to be able to get a functional part of your rotation and somebody who's able to handle all of the things that you need from a wing player at the WNBA level. And I think she may not necessarily have the highest ceiling of players below Boston. She may not be a like Olympic team level player, though. I wouldn't doubt her. I've seen her play all the way back since she was in high school. And I Mm. thought she was going to be a lottery pick. And I would find it interesting to see her drop out, especially to see who gets chosen over her. Um, But there is definitely a little more murkiness at the two pick slot, which I think a lot of people would have immediately said that's where Haley goes, especially with Minnesota getting the pick. It will be fascinating to see. And in part, how much free agency impacts that too. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, easily I can I can see Haley Jones uh, being drafted in the lottery, but also I feel like if she isn't picked at two and she isn't picked at three, the Mystics don't – I don't think the Mystics are a great fit just because the Mystics have – a lot of post players. They have a lot of like four, three types. Um, But we will see. We will see. And just because you aren't in the draft lottery, you're not a lottery pick. I mean, although, as we know, players that are pick number one and in the lottery, they make more money. um, There are a lot of players who were maybe drafted later in the first round, who have made impressions in the league. I mean, hell, there are even players who were drafted in the second round that are still around. So we will see. We will see. Now, so we move to May, and we've hit the beginning of the 2023 WNBA season. So my really bold prediction for by the time the W season comes around is I'm going to say that travel is improved. Do I want to predict exactly how? Do I think that charters will just be the norm? I'm not sure. But you have to think that now that Brittany Griner has said publicly on Instagram that she it is her intention to play, something will need to be done for her protection and safety. I mean, I would say she is the most known WNBA player around the world right now because of what she had been through, the amount, I mean, people who are not even in the women's basketball space know who BG is. And mm-hmm. so I just wonder... <laughs> Whether, whether BG wants to be known or not, she is right now, undoubtedly. Yes. And so I just wonder, will these commercial flights, will they guarantee her safety? You know, could people, could there be a risk when it comes to people um, trying to, you know, bother her on flights or stalk her? I just... I, yeah, we we hope that nothing like that happens, but mm-hmm. it, it it certainly feels like if 
Brittany is going to play in 2023, the, the union, the Players Association is going to use this to really push the league to like do to step it up all the way. You know, Howard reported over at Sports Illustrated that like Josiah, the Liberty has offered to kind of fund the charter travel for three years worth of time. If an offer like that is truly available to the league and they're not doing it, they, they will have questions that they ask. And you certainly would like to see something happen. I think the idea that we're in the middle of the CBA is why people wouldn't assume it. But that mm-hmm. if you think the if you think it will happen, even if we don't know how, I think that's a bold thing to see for a league to do in the middle of its CBA. But uh, that I would mean, be very bold to, to do. Well, that's why we're doing these bold predictions. And I think exactly. the whole idea with the issue with travel and the issue with what went on with the Liberty in 2021 was apparently owners being able to just act unilaterally that creates some sort of competitive advantage. But I think what is missed from that argument is Owners and governors are allowed to invest in better facilities than some other owners and governors are willing to provide. So I I feel like that's sort of a a similar comparison here. And, And so then how does the competitive advantage narrative apply when you have a facility in Seattle, a really nice facility in Phoenix? You do not have a facility in Chicago. So I just wonder. You should you should mention Vegas in in the very nice facility category because Mark Davis is making those moves. And Mark Davis, you know, even if we don't see the charters, he's showing ways in which owners who want to can. With what Kelsey Plum revealed on a podcast recently, that he bought the middle seats in any row that his players were sitting in, so that way they wouldn't have somebody in the middle seat there. So. There, I guess there are ways that even in this rule that's supposedly not uh, put in place to keep a balance there and not give a competitive advantage or disadvantage to certain teams, if this is already happening, the league should just let the teams do it at this point. And, and to some extent, you know, as a person, I would love to see it laid out which owners care enough to pay for the charters and which ones don't. Make it, make it very clear who's about this life and who's not. Yeah, and I mean, I just sort of think, well, why not take Joe Sy up on that offer for three years? Because then what, what happens is the league is going to have a huge influx of cash come 2025, hopefully when they sign their new TV deal with whatever network that will be. So taking up the size on their idea, that gives you, that allows you some time in between now and then when hopefully charter travel will be more sustainable with the money from the new media rights deal except for the whole it's not environmentally sustainable but you know we can we can brush that aside right it's fine the the planet's dying anyway so so alex what is your bold prediction as the wnba season tips off in 2023 I think we will get an expansion announcement before the first game of the season. Uh, mainly just because if not now, then, then when, you know, like the WNBA is already kind of starting to run a pretty big risk here, economically speaking, you know, there's been a lot of people doomsdaying that we're going to have a recession, but if we actually do get this recession to kick in, they may not find the amount of financial wherewithal in the media deal that they want. Now, live sports has been the one thing that media companies are still willing to pay oodles of money for because it's the one thing that if you aren't doing it live, people don't get the same experience. You can watch movies whenever you want. Now you can watch TV shows whenever you want. But live sports, the joy of it is the here and the now and the immediacy. So I would have to think that if the WNBA wants to cash in on this, they got to do it soon with the media deal. And in part, expansion helps you have an increase in inventory beyond just more games to have more people. If a team's going to come by 2025, I would think the league would want to help that team use two full seasons to build momentum, get the hype up, start the season ticket sales. So 
if you have 24 months minimum before the 2025 season tips off, I think that would be helpful. So if not by the tip off date, uh, then by then, and especially like right now, the other two major women's sports leagues in America have been making some pretty big and bold moves in that way. And WCL is about to go to 14. If we believe they're as close to their expansion announcement as they are, uh, the professional hockey federation, now actually has a larger salary pool than the WNBA, despite being in its infancy compared to the W. So if there's some unrest maybe on the player side with kind of the lack of growth that the WNBA is outwardly portraying and kind of perceived to not be growing in every way that actually is helping either expand the player pool or the player salary amount, then expanding the league is the way maybe to kind of show you're still growing if you're not willing to expand the roster or just give players more money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was, I think a collective disappointment across WNBA fans across us media folks, because there's this energy about WNBA growth and about how the league is growing. And I just wonder, I really wonder why there is this trepidation here. I mean, I just think, is there sort of a trauma about how many teams folded in the league's history? And just this concept of the W constantly trying to move past the narratives of, oh, will this league survive? I guess I just wonder with the NWSL and the, you know, PHF, they're, they're a lot younger. And I don't think... I mean, I know with professional women's soccer, there's been a folding of leagues, but I yeah. don't they've had, they've had leagues fold, even if those younger leagues haven't had teams, but like both have been a little more chaotic. And that's the thing Kathy says, like we're trying to build something sustainable. Uh, and I, I believe the commissioner when she says that, but the league is at least proven to this point to be rather sustainable to survive to this point. And so for as much as the pandemic certainly has hurt, all of these other leagues have started to make moves as aggressively as they have been. Um, I, I would hope the W realizes maybe it's time for us to be aggressive rather than conservative in that way. Yeah. I just wonder, I really wonder what, I mean, Kathy Engelbert talks about all the time, the fact that the business model when she arrived was not what it should have been. So we don't really know what that means. And so there's still a lot of questions. But, um, oh, my gosh, I would love to see an expansion announcement by May of 2023. I mean, we might have it might happen in 2022. We're recording this on the 29th. Maybe we get it as a, a Friday the 30th news dump for all we know. Oh, my God, the W. Yes, the W and its Friday news dumps. Last day, last last normal day of the year, and that's when we find it. So maybe I'll be wrong because they already did it, but <laughs> I, I doubt it personally. So well, first, four, first four months of W 2023, I think, is when we would get it, if I'm making I, a bold prediction. I, I happen to agree. Speaking of the new year... New Year's resolutions are always quite tough. Some people know exactly how they want to better themselves or improve, but a lot of people don't. But here's one. Are you looking for ways to manage your budget and save some money? Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your, your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. We live in a world where there's so many subscriptions we sign up for, and it can be awfully hard to keep track. But Rocket Money helps relieve you of that issue. It will identify your subscriptions for you so you can stop paying for the ones you don't want. Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as a click of a button. Simply find the subscriber or subscription you don't want and press cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. No more long hold times with customer service or tedious emails back and forth. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA. 
That's rocketmoney.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right. So we are now toward the middle to the end of the women's basketball or the professional women's basketball calendar. We are in June through September. We are going to have some bold predictions for the WNBA season and the playoffs. So, Alex, get us going. All right. We are going to have a first-time MVP winner, is my prediction. Uh, look, all there's six active former MVPs, and they all could easily win it next year, frankly, between Candace Parker, Elena Deladon, Neka Agumake, Brianna Stewart, Asia Wilson, John Cole Jones. But, you know, I just have a feeling that somebody's going to emerge into that level and kind of take the trophy this year. Now, I'm not paid enough to tell you who it's going to be. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to talk about a bigger compensation package to actually make that prediction. But I can identify a few people who I really think could ascend to that level. I mean, Jewel Lloyd, there might be some roster shakeup in Seattle. Could she become the feature player there and really kind of become a superstar? I could see it happening. Uh, Ryan Howard could become a like absolute supernova of a player. It's worth pointing out. I believe it was their second full season that both Stewie and Asia won their MVPs, their first ones. So could Ryan follow in that category? Um, also, like, what if Nafisha Collier comes back at an even better level than we saw her at and kind of becomes a world-beating center, four or five player in Minnesota? And, I mean, if Indiana ends up with a 500 record because Aaliyah Boston is just that good, is she going to get MVP consideration? There's options, and, and then there's one that I think is maybe even the biggest mystery of them all, but, like, Brittany Griner was second in the MVP vote in 2021. Um, like, what if she's just, just that good again in 2023? I mean, I don't know if anybody wants to expect anything there, but like on narrative alone, if she's anywhere close to as good as she was before everything happened in 2022, I think she'd run away with the MVP in 2023, especially if she turns this otherwise in intriguing mess in Phoenix into a competent team, uh, so, yeah, I think we're going to get a first-time MVP this year. I wonder. I don't know. Could Sabrina Ionescu be in the mix? Could – I'm trying to think of some others. Maybe – hmm. Who else? I don't know. Brianna Jones. I don't know. Could Brianna Jones go to a team where she is the primary option in the post? I don't know. I think, but I love that. I love a first-time MVP. I think Asia got her first. She was MVP in 2020, right? So I think that was her third season. So 2018. 20, okay. So yes. perhaps I was a little early in that regard. But even still, like, that could be the moment in that way. So I, um, I think we're going to have a new MVP winner this year is, is the key takeaway. Uh, even if those other players are like still like world beating superstars, like they all are. Um, what is your bold regular season prediction then Jackie? Well, so as you all know, on this podcast, I have been following this storyline about front offices in the WNBA and how they have expanded and how we're in this moment where there is only we believe there will only be one situation in the league where you have a head coach and a general manager that are both the same person. And so I happen to believe that a first-time GM is going to win executive of the year. Does that mean Darius Taylor with the Connecticut Sun wins? Does that mean that the Dan Padover GMing tree is really very strong? Does it mean that the Sparks, whoever is going to be the GM in L.A., does that person, whoever L.A. hires, do they take what was an absolute disaster in 2022 and make the Sparks into a team that is well-constructed, which is something they haven't had in a very long time? 
You also have Claire DeWellius, who will be a first-time general manager. I think during the, the Cheryl Reeves show, Cheryl Reeves podcast, she expressed that her role as president of operations is that she will be looking at things from more of a macro lens. And I believe Claire DeWellius is going to be the one who's going to be really dealing with the, the details and the complications involved in, in this. She'll be, she'll be the one making the phone calls, even if she's not making the decisions, perhaps. Mm-hmm. We're not solely making the decisions. Uh, also, by the way, Jackie, uh, I think you're forgetting one new GM. I heard this guy, Mike Tebow, <laughs> is about to start as a GM for the Washington Mystics. Uh, I don't, I have seen him in other roles around the W, but you know, the GM one is new for him. I'm, I am sure that Mike is uh, going to have a learning curve that is quite steep as he ascends to the general manager role. Um, Surely that's a guy who, uh, well, hey, look, I mean, he could win executive of the year and we could claim it's a first time GM, right? First time only being the GM. Well, details, details. Okay. Who about the details? Right, right. But I, I, I happen to really like this. All three of those teams, and if you even can throw Washington in as four, they're, they're, it feels like an offseason that's an open book, and somebody is going to have to make some big swings. And I think a lot of these teams that made these moves at the general manager position kind of did it knowing that there's going to need to be some revamping. LA is going to have to look very different than they did last year. Connecticut, we kind of suspect, is going to make some pretty big changes and look very different. Um, Minnesota obviously has Sylvia Fowles retiring. So how do you either replace her or adjust the team to not have her? So I think even those three alone, let alone my joke with Washington, (laughs) uh, you have, I mean, there's only 12 execs in the league. So you're, you're casting a... Not a full net there, but I think that's a pretty good net, if nothing else. And I, I think it's pretty bold. There are some really good execs, but if if a new guy comes in, a new guy or gal comes in and makes some pretty remarkable moves, that could, uh, that could be there. So I like it. I just wonder with Claire DeWellius, is it – we don't really know who is in charge of the nominating. Like, is it this idea that – Cheryl is still technically an executive because she's the president. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how that works. You know, baseball's dealt with this for a while. There's a lot of baseball people where like the decision maker is now like president of baseball operations, but they have somebody who's a titled GM and it's usually the titled GM who uh, does all the interviews. Cheryl will have to do plenty of interviews anyway, cause she's coaching. So mm-hmm. I, we'll see. It is, that is a league-voted award, so they might vote based off who they talk to the most. And if they talk to Claire most, then that could be. But I like, I like the prediction, Jackie, is what I'm saying. Mm. It's, fun. it's very bold. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it's in line with following the story about how front offices have been growing in the league. And it's a good thing. It's a really good thing. I would wonder, do you, do you think – like? Do you have a different bold prediction that like Mivey would help make your executive year one come true as we kind of predict the rest of this way? <laughs> um, you mean who I think might win the, the WNBA championship? Is that what well, you're Well, if gonna- we're going to wrap up a bold predictions podcast, we should probably at least predict a champion. Yes. Right? Yes. Free agent moves haven't happened. Nothing's happened yet, but let's pick one anyway. So. Okay. My WNBA champion is going to be the Connecticut Sun. They are going to win the championship, but their path to getting there won't be at all like it was under Kurt Miller, meaning those seasons where they were like the top seeds and the best team throughout the season. I don't think it's going to happen that way. I think the Sun are going to underachieve during the regular season after trading MVP Jonquel Jones. I happen to agree, or I'm very much so in agreement with that uh, bold prediction from Alex. I'm not saying where. Uh, But Stephanie White's system and her culture, I think, will take a little bit of time to form in Uncasville. But I think something will click. 
when their new high-volume shot-creating guard, Skylar Diggins-Smith, will go on a tear uh, after she returns from um, maternity leave, potentially. And the Sun will pull a Chicago sky, and they will defeat the New York Liberty, who defeated the Aces in five games in the semis. Mic drop. So so that there's like three different... Full predictions wrapped into this one here. Skylar <laughs> Diggins Smith in Connecticut winning a title though is fascinating. Chicago upholding uh, a Chicago sky. The Liberty in the finals is fascinating if they beat the Aces. Um, it's funny you mentioned the Liberty though. I have the Liberty also in the finals in my extremely early bold prediction. That is, by the way, I am going to say it and I'm going to imagine you're going to head nod, but that is the Brianna Stewart led New York Liberty. <laughs> which I'll be the one that says it feels not bold enough to be considered a bold prediction for us. To me, it feels almost like a foregone conclusion. So I guess we'll have to just see what happens. Uh, But Stewie with the Liberty going to the finals. But Jackie, can I ask you, do you know the last time a team went back to back in the WNBA? I want to say it's been 20 years. It's been since the Sparks did it in 2001 and 2002. So literally 20 years ago, since the last time we've had a repeat winner in the W, that for as much as it feels like this isn't very bold, that 20-year gap tells me it would be bold to say the Aces are the team that ends that run of different champions year after year after year, and they go back to back. I, I mean, they might be the best team in all of American professional basketball right now, period um i suspect their roster is going to change just a little bit on the back end and kind of with their bench and it'll look even oh, better after this season. i mean as you know i was very critical of their gming during the off season it was also in part because they did not really have a gm they had a gming committee and so well the committee didn't do terribly and they no. got all of their they got their entire core back re-signed on extensions for the most part for 2 years mm-hmm. this core that is here that starting that starting quintet they're built to win now and to win big and they've already won once they won in 2022 uh i think they nail this second chance they really have three set up after winning in 2022 with all of them but asia signed through 2024 and I suspect Asia after this year would return on a one-year deal to kind of pair everybody to 2024. So if you've got really three chances at it, uh, they've already nailed the first chance. They've got two more. I actually think they're going to nail the second chance too. And they beat the Stewie-led New York Liberty to go back to back. Yes, the Stewie-led New York Liberty that has a, uh, a lead guard with not a lot of WNBA playoff experience in Sabrina Ionescu. Oh, man. Fascinating stuff. Has she played in any uh, big games in her career before the WNBA? I don't know, Jackie. You tell me. Oh, yeah. Well, that one against Stanford, right? She's played in... She she has Mm -hmm. been a... She was in the Elite Eight as a freshman in the Final Four every year except the COVID year. So I I trust that Stewie and Sabrina could be a a finals-worthy duo for the Liberty, but I don't think they're good enough to beat the Aces. Well, the Aces will have to get better, um, which you think they will. But thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And join us tomorrow when Hunter Cruz, M. Adler, and Joshua Welch We'll be back with our Saturday WNBA draft-themed show. Now make Locked On Sports Today your second listen. Peter Burkowski brings you the biggest stories from around the sports world in 20 minutes. Get the analysis and opinions before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders. Locked On Sports Today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Well, that is our show of very bold predictions. 
Alex, thank you for joining me and for providing some very, very spicy and hot takes and a happy and healthy new year to all of you, our listeners. <laughs>